Welcome back to the MicroConf Podcast. I am your host, Rob Walling, and we are taking another trip down memory lane for this MicroConf Refresh episode. Today, we're going to be hearing a talk from MicroConf Europe 2019. The talk is from Heather Pollitt, and it's called Taking Down the Search Giants. Heather's summary reads, Competition online is getting increasingly fierce. How do you stand out from the crowd in a marketplace dominated by industry giants? In this talk, we'll explore the ways to win organic clicks and sales away from the big players in your industry while working with budgets a fraction of theirs. Key takeaways include how to develop SEO strategies to outrank industry giants, standing out in organic search results even when you're not in first place, getting your share of the search real estate, how to conduct competitor research to fuel your SEO campaigns, and much more. It's a great talk. It was highly rated. I encourage you to check it out. And if you want to learn more about it, read a good summary, see the slides, just click the link in the show notes. That'll take you to our YouTube channel and you can watch her video there. And while you're there, you should subscribe. We have almost 8,000 subscribers. It's youtube.com slash microconf. The link's in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy this talk as much as I did. I am Helen Pollitt. Uh, I have been working in digital marketing for over a decade and I am an SEO. I'm lead SEO for my agency Avenue, which specializes in SEO and PPC. I have had the very good fortune of working for companies that have incredibly large marketing budgets uh, for international hotel chains, for car manufacturers, for top ranking universities. And if all of that sounds like I'm trying to show off a little bit, just remember that it took me 20 minutes of intense searching and two phone calls to reception this morning to find the hotel room hairdryer. So I don't believe I'm all that. I am here to talk to you about SEO in particular, and I feel that of the, what, roughly 150 people who are in the room right now, uh, just a spoiler, that number's gonna go up every time I talk about this event. <laughs> I was speaking to 200 people yesterday morning. Anyway, of the 300 people who are currently in this room, I reckon you sit in probably one of three camps. You've either tried SEO in the past, but you've not had much success because actually you know that your website, although technically very sound, is up against a lot of competition in the likes of Google. It might be that you do know a little bit about SEO, but you just don't have that time to invest to make sure your website is really ranking well. Maybe you know about SEO, but you've not really had a go at it yourself before. Perhaps you're completely new to it and you don't even know what the acronym stands for. But you've heard it's free and you're a startup. You love free. Or perhaps probably the largest group of people in this room right now are here listening to me giving this talk because it's a single track conference and you really didn't have any choice. But... Just want to say, if you do sit in group number three, thank you so much for coming back and listening to this talk. Hopefully, I will be able to give you something that is useful and of worth to you. Now, if you heard me giving my very elaborate introduction and thought, that's great, you've had a lot of experience with very large companies, that's wonderful, but actually, I'm a startup, I want to reassure you that not so long ago, I was sat in a conference like this one, listening to a talented and engaging speaker like this one, talking about their SEO success. So those campaigns that they had worked on that had generated a lot of visibility, leads and sales for their client. And I remember sitting there thinking, 
You look like you have your life together. I bet you didn't spend 20 minutes trying to find a hairdryer this morning. And also, this is great that you've had all of this success, but the campaigns you're talking about will have cost tens of thousands of pounds, and my clients don't have that kind of budget. So I do want to reassure you that yes, SEO can be considerably easier if you do have large budgets, and that's what most of your big competitors have got access to, but it's not impossible to do if you don't have large budgets. Now, whatever group of uh, attendees you fell into in my three suggestions earlier, I imagine that you have probably had some difficulty with SEO because of one of these four barriers. You just don't have the time, perhaps. Maybe you are the only person in your company or you're in a very small team because you're a startup and you just don't have that time to dedicate to SEO. You have no money, you're a startup. Perhaps you just don't have the cash for the fancy SEO agency or the fancy SEO tools that you hear you really need. Perhaps you're just lacking the resources to be able to do the job well. Or maybe you just don't have the knowledge. Now, knowledge in SEO is a very valuable thing. I've been practicing it for very many years and actually a lot of the time it helps to get someone who's an SEO expert to assist you with this kind of thing. But actually, trying to hire an SEO is quite a difficult job. Um, I have hired many SEOs in my time. I found one who was particularly good, so good in fact I married him just to make sure he couldn't join any other team. So that's my tip number one. A marriage contract is a lot harder to get out of than an employment contract, so just keep that in mind. Hopefully, though, you're starting to see me as a bit of an extension of your marketing team. So if you don't really have many people in your company who focus on marketing, I like to think of myself as here to help you out. So I'll be sending my invoice later. But to start with, I just want to really run through what SEO is, because you might not even be familiar with the principles of it. So let's start at the very beginning. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. It's all about getting traffic to your website that you've not paid to get there. Wonderful. Essentially, it's about making sure your website is so good and answers someone's search query so well that Google cannot help but put you at the top of the search results. Now, I do need to say that I'm saying Google a lot because I'm using it as shorthand for most other search engines. Um, in Europe, Google tends to be the search engine that is used the most. It's not necessarily the case across the world, but in Europe, it tends to be Google that most people are using. Bing? Anyone use Bing? Don't lie. Come on. Some people use Bing, but it's not a huge amount of people. Mainly, we're using Google. So I'll continue to say Google throughout this presentation. But I just want to give you a little background on what SEO can get for you. So search engine optimization, as I said, is all about making sure that the pages that you want people to find are findable through the likes of Google. So I've highlighted in red at the top, I'm about to use a laser pointer, I'm really excited. Yes, so here, this box here, this is all paid advertising. So you have to be engaged in pay-per-click advertising in order for your website to appear here. However, this box here, which I've outlined in green, this is organic traffic, that, organic work that has got this website to rank in this position. So you cannot pay to be here. It's all about how relevant Google thinks you are to a particular search query. Same again with here. This isn't a paid for position. This is because Google thinks this information is particularly pertinent to the search query that someone has put in. Again, here, 
This is paid for advertising, as is this. But this is all organic. So you don't have to pay to be in those positions. You just have to earn it through the merit of your website. And finally, all of this on this slide, this is all organic listing. So you cannot pay to be in this video carousel or what we call a featured snippet or position zero. That's the little answer box that appears at the top of the search results when you type in a query that lends itself to a more complete answer, something like uh, how to tie a tie. If you type that into Google, you'll get that little knowledge box that runs through a few suggestions, a step-by-step -step guide on how to tie a tie. That, you can't pay to be there. That's all organic traffic. And again, that map pack, that is organic traffic. You can't pay to be in that position there. Now, I appreciate that those three slides were quite boring, so here's a puppy to look at whilst I explain the next part. So SEO largely falls into three categories when we talk about the sort of work you need to do in order to rank well in Google. We talk about on-page optimization. This essentially is making sure that your web page is so relevant for the sorts of search terms that people are putting into Google that you are going to rank at the top of the search results. Now, making sure your web page is relevant falls largely into the category of understanding the user intent. So what are people searching for to find out information about companies like yours? What terms are they using to find web pages that cover the sorts of services that they're after? So, for instance, uh, if you happen to have a piece of software that you are selling that is essentially, I don't know, Tinder for cats, if that's what you're trying to sell at the moment, are you talking about cats and dating and all that sort of stuff on your web page? If you are, then when people are starting to type in things like dating apps for cats, then they're going to find your content. I actually think Tinder for cats is a really good idea. Um, my cat's too young to date, otherwise I'd probably look at setting that up myself. But if you're still in the ideas phase of coming up with your own SaaS startup, then that's a freebie. Feel free to run with it. SEO also falls into uh, off-site work. So this is where we are looking at making sure that your expertise in a particular industry is really showing through your website. So if you think about it, Google essentially is just a machine. It's not a set of people who are going through and looking at your website and deciding whether you're very relevant for a particular search term. It's a, it's a robot, it's a search bot that is visiting your website, looking at all of the content on the page and thinking, does this answer a user's query sufficiently? But if I were to put it at the top of the search results and someone clicked on it, that they would feel happy about landing on this page. And part of the way that it understands whether you are relevant is through the keywords that you are using on your web page, but also how much expertise and authority you have within that industry. And when we talk about off-site or off-page SEO, we're looking largely at backlinks. So when someone else's website links through to your website, it's an indicator to the search engines that you are of interest to the audience of someone else's website. It's almost like a third-party voting system for the internet. Google can see that a select number of other websites have linked through to yours, so it's kind of like a little voter confidence that your website's actually good quality enough that someone else would send their traffic through to your website so their visitors can get additional information. Now, Google has very strict guidelines about backlinks and growing those, that backlink profile. You're not allowed to just buy links from other websites. So if that was on your to-do list, please take it off right now. It's not going to work for you. In fact, you can actually get penalized for doing that, and you don't want a Google penalty. What you can do, though, is start building those 
backlinks through creating content that is so shareworthy that other websites want to link through to your content because they think you're a really good resource. And that is a huge part of SEO. But it's also quite expensive because you can imagine creating that content, getting that content in front of the right people. It's actually quite a time-consuming process. Another aspect of SEO that we have to keep into consideration is technical SEO. So this is making sure that your website is actually accessible to the search bots that need to crawl through it to understand how relevant and how authoritative it is. But also the kind of content that you don't want to appear in the search results, things like your uh, members' login details, for instance, that's kept out of the index so people cannot find it through clicking on a search result. So that probably sounds a little bit intimidating in the sense there's quite a lot of aspects that you have to take into consideration. Now, just to make it worse, I'm sure if you've had any exposure to SEO in the past, you've heard that older websites rank better. You've also heard that if you run PPC or pay-per-click advertising, Google gives you a little boost up the search results organically as well. And also that Google favors big brands. So actually, as a startup, that kind of excludes you straight off the bat, doesn't it? Because you don't necessarily have the budget for a big PPC campaign. You're not already a big brand. And you don't have a really old website because you're quite new. And your website might be, I don't know, less than a year old. Thankfully, though, that's all hot garbage. Because these SEO myths, although very prevalent, are completely false. So you don't need to worry. Having an older domain does not have a ranking impact at all on your website. So I did a quick study. I had a look at some search results. I put in a phrase like uh, file transfer software or something along those lines. And you can see that at the top, the number one ranking result organically has a domain that's 11 years old. The one below it has a domain that is six years old. But fourth has a domain that's 20 years old. So if Google were actually looking at search results based on the age of the website, then surely that one that's 20 years old would be ranking first. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, okay, that's a good indicator that maybe the age of my website's not going to impact my rankings, but correlation and causation, you know what they say about that. So I want to introduce you to this guy, John Mueller. John works for Google. He's a webmaster trends analyst, and he is our go-to guy within the SEO industry for asking questions about Google's rankings. So actually, how does the algorithm work? What can we do to make our websites rank higher? All those sorts of questions. And John is really good in that he dedicates a lot of time to answering those questions, often the same question, over and over and over again. And he's very good at making sure that we get the best information out there. So he was asked recently, does the age of my website have any impact on how well it's going to rank? And he took time to thoroughly answer the question in a way that we would all understand and there would be no ambiguity there when he said no. So there you have it. No. It doesn't have any impact on how well you're going to rank. Okay, so next myth. If you put budget behind a pay-per-click advertising campaign within Google, Google's going to bump you up the search results as a little favor to you. Also, no. There is no correlation. They're completely separate algorithms. There's no impact whatsoever on you spending money on Google 
and actually ranking well within the organic search results. Now, there is some interplay between PPC and organic traffic, and there will be effects in other ways, in that if, for instance, you are bidding on your own brand term within a pay-per-click advertising campaign, you might see fewer people arriving on your site through organic traffic onto your homepage because they've typed in your brand name, because essentially you're being listed in Google twice on the same search results. So there is some impact there, but just because you're spending budget with Google doesn't mean they're going to rank you better. So good, you don't have to spend loads of money with Google. And the myth that Google always favours big brands. The only thing I have to say about that is Google doesn't even rank itself well. So you can see here that I've typed in, what is Google Data Studio? Now you may be familiar with Data Studio, it's a program I really like that Google runs that allows you to report on your data more visually. It's a Google product, but Google only ranks itself third and fourth for the search term, what is Google Data Studio? So it doesn't even favor itself within the search results. It actually looked at the two competitors that sit above it and thought, you know what, their content's better than ours, it's, they're going up above us. So those are the things that you're not up against with your big competitors in the search results. Now, I do want to take a minute and think about the fact that you are startups, and therefore a lot of you will think, you know what, I don't actually really have competitors. We are so innovative and niche in what we do that actually we don't really have anyone that directly competes with us. But I want to remind you of a little phenomenon that was out around sort of 10, 15 years ago called Google whacking. Uh, I didn't just swear at you, it's, uh, it's the concept of can you put a certain search term into Google and get zero results. Now, at the time that this was first popular, I was at school and I spent many a lunch break in my school IT uh, room trying to Google whack <laughs> and find a result that would generate zero listings. And I couldn't because it's really difficult. Because actually Google is very, very good at returning content for whatever search term you put in. So although you might think you don't have any direct competitors, so uh, Tinder for cats, for instance, might not have any other feline dating apps to compete with, but it will have other competitors in the search results. So uh, if someone were to type in, uh, for instance, is my cat lonely? That would be a great search term for you to direct people to visit your Tinder for cats website, for instance. However, you might notice things like uh, cat advice websites or veterinary websites also ranking for that particular term. So although there's no direct competition in terms of the product that you are offering, you will always, always, always have competitors in the search results. So you do have to take notice of the fact that people will be visiting their website instead of yours. So I told you before that Google doesn't favor big brands, but actually brand name does play a part in who is going to be visiting your website. So for instance, if I type in black sleeved top, clearly I'm not very ambitious with my clothing choices, but this is a set of results that I got when I did this search back in the UK. At the top there, you can see asda.com, followed by new look, followed by H&M, followed by pretty little thing. Now, when I am looking to buy a black sleeve top, I don't particularly want to go shopping at Asda. Sorry, Asda. I want to go to a shop perhaps I've been to before, so I might ignore the Asda listing and click straight onto New Look or H&M. So actually, although Asda is ranking at the top of the search results, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to click on the very first listing. The brand name might actually pay a part in my choice. So if the competitors in your search results are quite well known in that industry, then they may get the click even if you are outranking them. So that is something you need to be aware of. 
And then there's brand association. Actually, if your industry is quite established, you may have some players that are synonymous with that. Think about Uber, think about PayPal. People might not be ready for an innovator within that space. They may just go with what they already know. Therefore, brand association is going to be a bit of a barrier for you as a startup. Think about Google. When someone visits Bing, normally they search for Google because they're actually looking for the Google homepage. That's not very fair on Bing. I'm sure some people do use it for things other than just getting to Google. Also, digital PR. I mentioned before that backlinks are hugely important to ranking well in the search results. But if you don't have a massive budget because you're a startup, then you're not going to have the time to spend on getting your content written in front of the right people and published with that link coming back. It's actually quite an arduous process. So digital PR, although hugely beneficial, is not necessarily something you're able to engage in. But your big competitors might well be, so they do have an advantage there. And then marketing teams. It might just be you and now me in your marketing team. And that means that you're possibly up against competitors. You've got huge marketing teams or agencies or people that are spending a lot of time dedicated to making sure their websites are well-functioning but also visible in Google. You also might be up against more experienced management. Now, I know a lot of you are on your second, third, fourth startup. Some of you are on your first. Some of you haven't even got there yet, and you're just thinking about a startup. But think about your competitors. Their CEO might have been in the game for 20 years. They might well be very well versed in SEO. They may well have built an SEO-first website, so thinking about SEO in everything that they do in all of the content they upload. Also, they've got more money than you. They're rich, whereas you're starting out in this. So actually, you're up against some pretty stiff competition in the search results. I feel really bad about that, so here's another puppy to make you feel better. Now, what are we going to do about this? Because this has all been fairly negative so far. First step, we need to look for your competitors' weaknesses, because they will have some. If you think about yourself as a startup, and them as a massive, big, giant within the industry, it starts to get a little bit clearer when you look at a bit of a gap analysis. So start by looking at your resources. What do you have to work with? What are you missing? Do you not have enough time, so you perhaps need to hire an agency? Do you not have enough resources at your disposal, so you perhaps need to hire an agency? Do you not have enough knowledge, so you perhaps need to hire an agency? Do you not have enough money, so you've got no hope of hiring an agency? You need to take a stock of what you do and you don't have internally within your teams. Does anyone have experience of SEO? Is anyone a content writer? Do you have a former journalist that you can talk to who might be able to help you with that backlinking? What do you have, but what do you not have? And then you need to look at your competitors. Content gap analysis is probably the first place I would start to look if I was trying to outrank someone who has got a much bigger budget than me. Content is one of the primary ways that the search engines deem your website to be suitable for a particular search query. So you need to make sure that you have content on your site that is answering those search queries. Now, something that a lot of larger companies don't have is that really specific niche content. And you are experts within your field. You know stuff that their marketing teams couldn't possibly know because you've been working in your field probably for a long time, even if this is a startup that's in its infancy. So what are people searching for that you can answer on your website that your competitors just haven't answered yet? Another way that they are susceptible and vulnerable is in the size of their website. So if they have massive big websites, chances are they're not tailoring every single piece of content to meet those search 
queries, actually they just got a lot of templated content on the site. Especially if it's an e-commerce site, then they tend to have a lot of templated content. That means they're not necessarily getting the keywords onto the page they need to for those pages to rank. Or perhaps they've not written particularly engaging copy. You have got the advantage here because your website is likely to be a lot smaller and as you build it up you can keep these things in mind so that every single page you add to your website has value from an organic search perspective. Also, they might just have their content in the wrong format. So I showed you earlier that you can have that video carousel in a search result so that if someone types in something that lends itself to a video answering their question rather than content, make sure that you are producing videos, if you can, animations, that kind of content that will rank within that video carousel box so that where your competitors have just gone for straightforward content answering a question, you can actually just bypass them and get straight into that video carousel instead. Now, I appreciate that that can be quite an expensive thing to do, but actually one very good piece of uh, video can be used in many different ways. You can use it on your social, you can use it to help explain things about your product, and it can be very, very valuable. Also, I showed you that position zero featured snippet box. That's where the answer to your question comes up in part in the search results, so you don't even have to click through to the website. Now, that can be a good thing for organic traffic and a not so good thing for organic traffic. What you want to do is when you're trying to get your content into that featured snippet box is make sure that you structure it in a particular way that means the first part of the answer is visible within the featured snippet but they have to click through to get the rest of it. So if you think of something like a set of instructions, make sure you only give instructions one to five and then make sure you that and that's what will appear in your featured snippet and then have a whole host of other instructions that won't appear in the featured snippet because it's only a certain length long then someone if they do see your result in the featured snippet are going to have to click through for the rest of the instructions now this is a bit of trial and error it takes time to get your page ranking in that position zero spot but you don't have to be the top number one result in order to get into that position zero so that is something that you can look to do to bypass your competitors who are at the top of the search results if you're content is ranking sort of third or fourth, but you know there is a position zero available for a particular search result, then look at how you can structure that content differently to get into that position zero. It's often about the layout, so it could be that you directly answer the question in the first paragraph, or you have it in nice, easy to digest chunks, so um, you have it in a bulleted format or a numbered list format, but there are ways of getting into that search result, and that is a good win if you manage to get there. The other benefit that you have as a startup is that you are quick and nimble. You're very agile. And if you're a software company, you might literally be agile, which is great because I have worked with some massive companies who are very, very slow. I once, well, quite recently actually, had to get access to a piece of software that the client had. I needed one login. One login. It took over two weeks and 10 different people in order for me to access that one login. Big companies are often very slow. They have a lot of moving parts, and oftentimes SEO is not at the top of their list. So as an agile, nimble company, you've got a better chance of reacting to things a lot quicker. That means you can be on top of trends. Whenever I talk to startups, I like to say, don't just look at what's trending at the moment, but think forward into what might be trending in the future. So if you are selling Tinder for cats, you might want to think about, okay, people might not necessarily be looking for dating apps for their pets right now, but what might they be looking at in the future? What content can I write now 
that has the time to start ranking so that when people do actually start searching for those sorts of informational uh, queries, that my content is the stuff that they're finding. Because a lot of the time, the big companies, they don't have that forward thinking. They're perhaps not even experts within the industry. Because if they've got a marketing team, they're marketers first, not necessarily experts within your field. So what can you start writing about on your website that gives it time to start increasing in the search results. Another good place to look is on Twitter, social media. What are people talking about within your industry that you can answer the questions of? What are they asking? What are they discussing? Because Twitter is one place that they go for information, potentially, but the search results is definitely another place they go. So make sure that you are paying attention to what's being talked about on Twitter and creating content on your website that's about that theme. As a startup, your development process hopefully will be considerably quicker than the larger companies. I have put requests through to big companies that have taken over a year to get processed. Development queues are huge. Hopefully, as a startup, you're either the developer yourself, or you're working very closely with developers, or you have a team of developers who answer to you. In which case, you can look at their priority lists, you can talk to them about your needs for SEO, and hopefully get things pushed through a bit quicker. Also, as a startup, you have the advantage of being able to build SEO into your website. If your website isn't even existing yet, or it's still in its infancy, then now is a great time to think about SEO. Because the way you structure your website, the way you theme your content, the way you build internal links within your website, all has an impact on how well your content is going to rank. Now, websites that have been in existence for five, 10 years, they're stuck with what they've got. They either go through a massive project to rebuild their website, which has its own massive SEO implications, or they leave it as it is. Whereas you can start building your website with SEO in mind, which hopefully in time will give you that benefit. Step three, you need to start identifying your own secret weapons. So if you are a startup that serves a local community, so for instance you have Tinder for cats but it's only available in France, then make sure all of your content is themed around France. Make sure it is the obvious choice for the search engines to serve for people who are searching for pet dating apps within France, because then you are starting to build out that local relevance. So this means things like including locally relevant terms within your copy, getting backlinks from companies that are also in your location, just to give the search engines that real assurance that you are the best website to serve for that particular demographic and audience. Start developing your tone of voice. So by this I mean what makes you unique? Because as a startup you're at a brilliant time to start thinking about how you position yourselves. And in the search results that is incredibly important. So these are just three examples of how particular brands have used their own tone of voice in their search results to increase the amount of clicks that they get. So even if they're not necessarily ranking in first place, their meta titles, their meta descriptions are so engaging within the search results that people will click through. So Firebox for instance. Their strapline there is shop a curated range of unusual gifts, home decor, techie gadgets, food, drink, and unicorns. That's quite unique to them. I can't imagine other gift providers having that sort of terminology and tone of voice within their search results. It's something that's going to encourage people to click through to that web page, even if it's not in the first position. Highlight your skills and expertise. You have got experience within your industry in some form or another, otherwise I don't think you would just be starting up a company in that industry if you knew nothing about it. 
highlight that within your website. This goes really well to helping you become the spokesperson within your industry. And if you become the spokesperson within your industry, you are the person that the radio companies phone when they want to have an expert talk about a subject that's in the news, or you are writing for some industry blogs, then you're starting to build the ability to get those backlinks through to your website because you are becoming known in your own right as an industry expert. People start coming to you wanting you to provide content. You don't have to go to them trying to force your content on them. Focus on your niche. If you're up against massive competitors, their website probably covers a whole host of stuff that yours just doesn't need to. Make sure you are really, really strong in your own niche. Don't try and compete with them against uh, all of the content that's on their site, all of the different areas that they are ranking for, but just focus on your own particular niche. That way you're going to end up with these hyper-relevant backlinks because people will see you as that subject matter expert and they will start linking through to you with really, really relevant links. And that, again, helps to cement with Google that you are an authority and expert within that area. Step four, you really need to develop your plan. So I've given you some guidance on the sorts of things you should be looking at, but you really now need to look at, actually for you, what are your next steps? And I would suggest that first off, you need to add value where your competitors do not. So for instance, this could be that you are answering the questions that people are asking about your industry that they just cannot find any answers to. A really good place to start is the likes of Reddit or Quora. These are websites that people are going to to get answers that they just can't find elsewhere. So have a look through the forums, the subreddits that are really pertinent to your industry and see what people are talking about, see what they're asking, because from there you can start writing content that answers those questions. I would say that you can then direct people on Quora and Reddit to those particular pages that you've written, but Reddit in particular are really, really against people being too corporate, so you might get a lot of downvotes if you start trying to push people off to your website. But it is a great place to do a bit of user intent research. Find out what people want to know that they just can't find elsewhere and start providing them with those answers. So, for instance, uh, people are asking on LinkedIn how to recall an email you didn't mean to send quite a common problem. We all accidentally send an email before we finished writing it. If you can provide content that answers that question directly, you then have the ability to get into the featured snippet or position zero for that answer. That way you're getting a huge amount of visibility right at the top of the search results without too much effort. It's just content that you already know. You don't have to research it necessarily. It's stuff about your industry. You can write it. It doesn't even necessarily take an expensive copywriter to do a good job about it. I would also suggest looking at other playing fields. So I've spoken a lot about Google, but there might be search engines that are more pertinent to your particular industry. Think about TripAdvisor if you're in the leisure sector. Actually, SEO isn't just about the traditional search engines. It's about optimizing your content for any search engine where someone might be trying to find a website like yours. So if you can't beat them in Google, think about where you could beat them. If you sell products, for instance, and you can't outrank Amazon for that particular product, should you be serving your content in Amazon instead? And finally, if you are really, really struggling to beat those big organic competitors, then start thinking about collaborating with them. If they are within your industry but don't directly compete with you, then think about talking to them about the possibility of sharing content on their site. Get yourself a backlink from them. How can you work with them so that actually you're piggybacking off of their success? So, thank you so much for listening to me, um, all 1,000 of you who are currently in this room right now. <laughs> if you have any questions about SEO or Tinder for cats or any other dating app ideas I have, then please don't hesitate to get in touch with me and I will be hanging around after the talk. Thank you.
Thanks again for joining me this week. As another reminder, you should head to youtube.com slash microconf and subscribe to be notified when we publish new videos. We are publishing new talk videos from our remote events and the in-person events we're going to start having again later this year. And I hope to see you in MicroConf Connect as well. That's our Slack channel with more than 2,100 founders and aspiring SaaS founders. Thank you for joining me today. And I'll be back in your earbuds again next week.